I want to welcome you all to another Daily Decade, your rosary on the road. Uh, if there is any sound in the background, it's because it's raining outside and I got the wipers on. So you'll probably pick up on a little bit of ambience uh, this, this episode. Uh, I have no special intentions in the inbox today, but I do have a special prayer that I want to say on the basis of something I read. One of the uh, regular columns that I read is over at what's called the Daily Night, which is associated with this group, the Knights of the Republic, or the Equites Res Publicae. And one of their columnists over there, Justin Haggerty, has fallen into a little bit of trouble. And it looks like his family needs a little bit of help, so they're going to be deprived of his presence for some time over uh, a mistake that he made uh, when he was a little bit younger and uh, he got, got his dander up and got him in some trouble. Uh, given how few... I'm not going to get into the politics of it. I don't think anyone listening right now has any illusions about the political leanings of, uh, of anybody involved in this broadcast or this project and so I, I won't burden you with with any of that uh, but suffice it to say I'm somewhat sympathetic to him and and to his family I'm more sympathetic to his family because they're really going to suffer right now and I think they need our prayers um, and I'd also encourage you to take a look at the website there it looks like they've got a GoFundMe or something set up uh, I'm going to be sending them a little bit of money myself uh, and encourage you to do the same if you have an intention, a prayer request of any kind, whether it's a major situation like this one or even just something minor, uh, uh, just a, a little thing that's been bugging you, you want to get off uh, off your mind, you need God's help to get it off your mind, uh, you go ahead and write in your intention to Daily Decade Requests at ProtonMail.com. That's Decade, D-E-C-A-D-E, requests in the plural, at ProtonMail.com. And I will be absolutely delighted to pray for you, pray for your loved ones. Uh, you can give all of us here an opportunity to pray for you. You know, one of the beautiful things about prayer is that by nature, it, it is an acknowledgement on our part of God's place in the universe and in, in our lives. And so when we approach God in prayer, even for little petitions, what we are doing is acknowledging his power. And that's a beautiful thing and it's a beautiful opportunity for you to give people by writing in your intention so for right now it's a Tuesday so we're going to pray in English today and let's pray for uh, the Haggerty family uh, in particular for uh, Justin's uh, wife and uh, and children uh, in this uh, in this difficult time they're going through and throughout uh, this entire period he actually gives a time period on the website. I think it's eight or ten months. So I'd encourage you all to put him on your rosary and keep him there for the next ten months until all of this is done and said. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, 
and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To thee do we cry, poor banished children of Eve. To thee do we send up our sighs, our weeping and our mourning from this veil of tears. Turn then, O gracious Advocate, thine eyes of mercy unto us, and after this our exile, shew unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus. O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary, pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we to whom the incarnation of Christ, thy Son, was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection. Through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. O Saint Paul, who traveled far, 
and who was against thy own will led far and wide to spread the gospel and suffered much on behalf of Christ. We beg thy powerful intercession, O Apostle of the Gentiles, on behalf of Justin and his family, that they may in their suffering find God always near them as he was always near thee. And that from the depths to the heights in prison or in absolute freedom and comfort they may always worship thee the Lord and thank him as thou as thou didst and might see in all their sufferings the crucifixion of Christ in which they share that they may root all the rewards and all the graces and all the merits of all the suffering that they endure. And we ask the, thy intercession, O Blessed Mother of God, that the suffering, though we wish it to be fruitful, may be short, and that this family may be reunited and strengthened in Christ from their endurance of this little pain and that this little pain be not made a great pain for the sake of the children and the wife. And we ask all of this of thee, St. Paul, and of thee, O Blessed Mother, in the name of Jesus Christ, who is God, who strengthens all, who comforts all, who liveth and reigneth, with God the Father and the Holy Ghost, one God, but without end. Amen. For all of us in our daily struggles and daily battles, St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray, and do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus, have mercy on us. Most sacred heart of Jesus, have mercy on us. Most sacred heart of Jesus, thy kingdom come. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. I was reading the uh, Acts of the Apostles and how St. Paul came to be in the city of Rome. And it struck me as very interesting because it was something I had not read before uh, about the way that he appealed to Caesar even though he didn't have to. Uh, the Gentiles were always ready to let all these people go. They saw them at best as eccentrics and at worst as uh, sort of crazy people, but never really a, a major threat. And it struck me that it, it's an interesting way that God extended protections uh, to the early Christian church by making our first parents in the faith seem insane to the majority of the world. Only the Jews really persecuted them heavily, and it was the Jews who were responsible for most of the early persecutions until uh, Nero kind of caught up with that. Uh, and he himself was under the influence of some very powerful pharisaical entities and uh, 
in Rome. Uh, I guess I should say bodies. Entities makes them sound like they're spiritual, you know, demon spirits. They're not. They were just men. Certainly under the influence of the archdemon, but just men. Uh, and it was only really after that that the Roman Empire began to view this growing Christian thing as a real threat. But prior to that, they viewed them mostly as just, well, uh, a little bit crazy, uh, more or less harmless, but uh, rather strange, an oddity uh, as part of the empire. And the empire certainly had plenty of oddities. And it struck me that that is something of a protection uh, to be treated as insane. And we're coming out of a period of that protection right now. You know, for the last 20 or 30 years or so, most people have looked at Christians as being, well, just kind of insane, you know? We take this a little bit too seriously. We're a little weird, oddballs on the French. And only a select few really bear the brunt of major persecution. But it's, it's something to bear in mind that at first we will be regarded as insane, but it won't take long before that insanity comes to be viewed as a real threat as our numbers grow. And, uh, and that seems to be the case, particularly among the people that are called traditionalist Catholics. I, I really don't like that label, but the people that are called traditionalists at first, throughout the 80s and 90s, I think these people were largely disregarded as oddballs. And now that the movement has grown significantly, they're really regarded as a threat. And uh, it's a, a really terrible thing to watch it happen on the one hand. But on the other hand, it's incredibly encouraging because it suggests that God sees in us, at last, the strength necessary to withstand the persecution. Just like in the early church, God didn't immediately allow persecution of the early church. It didn't come all at once. It came slowly. The Jews persecuted them, of course, but the Jews were a minority, and not a very popular one at that. Their Pharisees' habits haven't changed much over the last two or uh, over the last two thousand years. And the Romans really didn't like this little bunch, and so. Uh, anything that looked like it was sowing dissension among them and preventing them from rising up against Roman power was all the better. But in addition to that, most Christians simply made claims that, well, rather made sense to the Romans. And in, in a way, Paul gets shipwrecked on an island and does healing, and people regard him as a god in the flesh. Uh, incarnation is not something strange to the Romans. The idea of a god becoming... Uh, fleshly and walking among human beings. This would have been very familiar to them in a way that was blasphemous for the Jews, but the Romans didn't credit that a whole lot. And the Greeks and the Romans both, they had an understanding that yes, the gods could take on flesh. The Romans in particular, the Greeks viewed this as sort of a vulgar thing. Uh, something that only uh, baser pagans believed in. The higher philosophers didn't believe in that sort of thing. They viewed the world as pure spirit, good things as pure spirit. You know, Plotinus and all of that. That gave rise to the Gnostics. Anyway, I'm getting off, off track there. Uh, the point is that God was very merciful to the early church in that he made sure that the strength necessary to withstand persecution existed before the persecution began. 
And this is part of that promise that's made, that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. As we must remember that, yes, the church is an institutional entity, it's a body, it has a hierarchy, and that hierarchy was instituted by Christ, but one of the things that I think sometimes we forget is that the church is the body of Christ made up of its members. And this is something that we tend to lose sight of sometimes. I don't think that it's lost sight of as much as, I think it's exaggerated how much Catholics and perhaps Orthodox lose sight of this, but uh, it, it does happen. They, people do stop thinking about it so much. We are a body, Christ, Christ's body, and it is the body that is persecuted. Yes, the head will, you know, there, as with any situation where there's torture, you know, getting beaten about the head, arms, and shoulders, and, and chest, and so the higher-ups, the hierarchy does take some of the brunt of it, but it's the whole body that's tortured. It's the whole body that's persecuted. And it's the whole body that needs strength to withstand persecution. And so it's important that the body be strong enough to withstand that persecution. And when the body was still young, as the early church, it was small, it was growing, just like a, just like an infant. The amount of, you know, infants are a little bit more resilient than we give them credit for. I've had several of them at this point. I know what they can take. Uh, you know, it's a, you, you'd be amazed at how how often you think you've screwed up and uh, and a child bounces back from it. Uh, I've known several parents uh, who. You, know, you have the, the baby gets rolling around and rolls off the changing table. And you look at that and you think, oh, it's a tremendous fall, but the kid doesn't really, doesn't phase them. Uh, it's, a, it's an amazing thing. Little bodies are very resilient. And the early church, likewise, was very resilient. It, it could take you know, little bumps and bruises here and there. And the Jews certainly inflicted enough of it on them. But it wasn't until the adolescence of the church and this bodily strength began to grow that God permitted great persecutions, like the persecution of Nero, uh, or even greater, the persecution of Diocletian. And these sufferings and these persecutions were given to a mature body. And every time that the church grew sick or weak, the persecutions lessened. And it was waited until it was there was time given until the church would recover. And you see this with the the, the reforms, the Cluniac reforms, and various monastic reforms of the church. Every time that the church grows strong, waxes strong, a great persecution is allowed, uh, so that the church will be uh, will, will not forget that it is suffering in in which we find Christ, because it was suffering that opened the gates of heaven for us. Now what's the point of all of this? Well, we are coming out of a time now, I think, where people regard Christians as largely crazy. You know, there's this meme that goes around, and I've never been able to source the quote, but apparently there's a quote by St. Anthony the Great, uh, St. Anthony of the Desert, where he says, a time will come when men will go mad, and they will take men who are not insane and they will say you are not like us you are mad uh, you know, the where the the insane will accuse the sane of insanity 
and that is reflective of the world in which we live we live in something called something that a lot of people have accurately called clown world because it doesn't make any sense it is actually insane and it's insane to us because our reason is reflective of the divine reason and our world is reflective of the diabolical chaos the pandemonium you know, that, that term pandemonium means all demons across all demons. Pandemonium is, we think of it as meaning chaos, but it means the realm of the demons or across all demons, the, the summation of all demons, the synthesis of the demonic. The synthesis of the demonic is chaos. Uh, Anarcho tyranny is another term that's uh, that's bandied about with some accuracy to describe the situation in which we find ourselves it doesn't make sense and as this was coming into being our inherent sanity as Christians came to be laughed at and mocked but eventually it will as in the early church give way from the sort of biting sarcasm into very real spitting hatred. And because we know the patterns that persecution has followed in the past, we know how to prepare for it. But we also know that the persecution itself strengthens the church tremendously. The church militant becomes the church triumphant through its passion not its passions, but its passion here on earth. And that means inevitably that there should there must be some suffering. And that our prayers must always be that the suffering be as fruitful as it can be. And necessarily we pray that it also be short. As we prayed today. That the suffering of our fellow Christians should be fruitful but short. And persecution usually is. People forget how brief the reign of Diocletian was. He reigned just long enough to guarantee the survival of the Roman Empire for the next two or three hundred years uh, and to grow the Catholic Church to such an extent that it could take over that empire, which did. And after that, he was gone. His reign was, was incredibly short by most evaluations. Uh, one, could one could argue that actually you know, Stalin had a longer time to do more damage. Diocletian, though, is remembered because of how horrific the persecution is. and it, he's, he's remembered to the exclusion of many other emperors who also persecuted the church, uh, who now remembers Decian and the Decian persecution. Everyone remembers Diocletian. And yet his persecution was brief. Terrible, but brief. And that is the nature of our suffering. In the midst of it, it seems to go on forever. But it is brief, as our lives are brief. And we are given just this little time, little while, and in a little while you shall see me again, Christ tells us. We have this little while to suffer, to endure, 
and to improve ourselves as best as we can. And that's part of why we pray a daily rosary, why we pray daily, why we devote ourselves to God every day. In the moment that we are in, we are given sufficient grace to triumph over the temptations and the evil that afflicts us. And it is when we depart from the moment that we live in that we weaken ourselves and try to spread ourselves too thin. But we have all the prayers and graces we need moment to moment. And in a moment of suffering, the greater that we embrace that moment of suffering, that we unite it to the suffering of Christ, first of all, the shorter that moment will be for us. And secondly, and more importantly, the greater the graces we will have to derive from that moment, and the greater the rewards shall, shall we have in heaven. And so we must bear that in mind when we talk about both individual persecution and the broader persecution of the church, which is coming, and which we are in the midst of now. We live in this moment, and we have grace sufficient for this moment. And it does us very little good to consider what came before this moment or what's coming after this moment in terms of our well-being of persecution. Yes, we could look backwards and we could say, see, there was a time when society was Christian and we weren't persecuted. and It, it wouldn't be wonderful to get back to that again. Uh, this is not the same as looking backwards and saying, this is what our ancestors believed and this is what we believe. That's a, a good kind of looking backwards. That's called, uh, that's, that's a maintenance, a tradition. But there is a bad kind of looking backward as well, a pining this pining for comfort and peace. So many people do that, especially with the, with the time immediately before the Second Vatican Council. There's this pining to go back to that because it was more comfortable, because this is difficult and we don't want to do this now. The fight to preserve the faith is harder now and we want it easy. Well, in many ways, the fight is hard now because our parents and grandparents had it easy. Do we want our children to have to fight the fight? It's better to have it now. Better to suffer with Christ on the cross and not to put it off. If we put down our cross, someone else will have to bear it. And we will still be crucified. We will still suffer. And that suffering can either consume us, or we can offer it to Christ can either be taken down from the cross or taken up from the cross, as Bishop Sheen said. And so it falls to us, as we prepare for the coming persecution, to use every moment of the present time to build up this great store of graces, that when the time comes for our own crucifixion, we are taken up from the cross quickly and gladly because we are so thoroughly united to the suffering of Christ. And it is my prayer that in all of our suffering, day to day, both individual and petty, as well as great and, uh, and communal, that in our private suffering and our public persecution, we will always have before our eyes the cross of the moment, 
that all of our moments might be united with that eternal offering, the sacrifice that is Christ on the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.